When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Beyond the Fairways. With PGA Tour professional Jay Delsing and hosted by four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster Dan McLaughlin. Now, it's Beyond the Fairways. Welcome into Beyond the Fairways. I'm Dan McLaughlin. Over there, it's Jay Delsing. As always on this podcast, we provide you with big-name guests. And on this edition of Beyond the Fairways, again with an S when you download Beyond the Fairways, we visit on this edition with Curtis Strange. Played in over 400 PGA Tour events, then became the winner of two consecutive U.S. Opens, a member of the World Golf Hall of Fame, and also he became one of the best analysts that golf has ever seen. Now, for those of you that may be new to the podcast, we have always had big-name guests, and you can go back and listen to those archived interviews. Week one, David Faraday. Week two, Tom Watson. Week three, Lee Trevino. Alan Shipnick who wrote the book on Phil Mickelson, and last week, a fun visit with Gary McCord. As we always do, I say hello to my partner, who played in over 700 PGA Tour events, Jay Delsing. Jay Bird, great to see you. I know you're like me, looking forward to the visit with Curtis Strange. Oh, I can't wait, Danny, and and we get to break down the Masters, and uh, this is going to be a fun show. They're all fun shows, but getting to talk golf with you, I just love it. Well, what do you want to hear from Curtis Strange, and you had... Numbers of uh, number of times that you had a chance to play with him. Yeah, you know, fierce competitor. This guy would have gnawed your arm off to, really? to win a championship. He was, he did whatever it took when you're out playing, and and uh, I love that. You know, when you sit, sit there and you drop the puck, whatever you need to do to play well is fine. How you carry yourself out when you're out having dinner and things like that—that's a different story. That's a competitive lot. This PGA Tour guys and. Um, and, and getting to play with Curtis and watching him, he was always so. In 1985, my rookie year, he was the leading money winner. Yeah, so it was always I think he did fun. that three times. Yeah, absolutely, and it was always fun to to get 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 paired with one of the best players in the world. You know, you always were trying to size yourself up and see where you fit and what it all looked like. I always felt in watching from afar, he was kind of a crusty guy, and when you watch him as an analyst. He's pretty blunt in his assessment of what he does. And we've had our other guests and asked them about Liv. And I'm really curious what he has to say about that, being somewhat old school. And he's very, very much in, in tune with the PGA. So I, I'm looking forward to that. I think I know what he's going to say, but I can't wait to hear it anyway, because <laughs> he's, a, he's a thoughtful guy. 
he loves and appreciates what the PGA Tour did for him. What do you think it means for him? And we'll find out. I want to ask him, but winning two U.S. Opens, which is incredible, back-to-back, first to do that since Ben Hogan. I think there's three total that have done that. Was Kepka maybe? Yes, correct. Yeah, Kepka was the other one. I want to ask him about that, but also he was such an accomplished college player at Wake Forest and just comparing the two and what that means you played at UCLA you played on one of the best golf teams that was ever assembled so you know the importance of playing at that level and then comparing it to what it means to be a PGA professional yeah it you know when you get on tour it's the culmination of all these dreams you know and but along the way Danny are these milestones in these things like becoming an All-American and play, even playing in the NCAA championship, much less winning it like he did. So it's going to be really interesting. You know, here's a guy, World Golf Hall of Famer. He's also played in, I think, five Ryder Cup teams, but also captained in 02. We're talking about a wall full of stuff really cool awards and things and we'll get into i'm sure asking him about the Ryder cup from your perspective jay being a former player on the pga tour what does it mean to be a part of a Ryder cup or to lead a Ryder cup i can only imagine because i unfortunately i never got to that level but to represent your country it is an entirely different sort of pressure danny when you're playing for so i know what it's like to play for your family i know what it's like to try to support you know your family as the head of the household and things like that but to to don the red white and blue I can't even, I don't know if I'd sleep the night before. I agree with you. I mean, to wear, uh, well, first of all, he wins our Open Championship, the U.S. Open Championship, but then to wear the red, white, and blue and where it means so much in interna- uh, international competition, that's got to be the, the best feeling in the world. Yeah, it has to be. And I'm sure he was super, super proud, and it's great to, to get to hear what, hear what he's going to say. The team events also just lend a little different perspective, Danny, because for the most part, on tour, you have your buddies and things like that, but you still want to beat their ass. Sure. You, know, you still want to kick their teeth in. And on the Ryder Cup, though, you're waking up and you're having breakfast next to you, and I'm thinking, you're my partner today. You know, I'm rooting for you like I've never rooted for you before. So it's a big deal. Curtis Strange coming up on Beyond the Fairways. We'll have our tip segment. We'll talk about what you may have seen at the Masters, and how to hit on courses with undulation, the hills, side hill lies. So we'll get into that on our tip segment. Also, the innovations in golf segment, we talk about putters in 2023, which are the best out there and why and how it's changed over the years. And finally, the PGA uh, Tour makes a stop at the Harbortown Golf Lakes in Hilton Head. We'll have our picks of the week, a dark horse as well. And up next, a visit with Curtis Strange. This is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Doherty Business Solutions. It's time for the Beyond the Fairways player profile. Let's get back to Jay and Dan. What a thrill it is to visit with 17-time PGA Tour winner, winner of back-to-back U.S. Opens and World Golf Hall of Famer, Curtis Strange. And I know, Jay, we've been trying to get him on the podcast, and uh, this is a thrill for you, too. Oh, my gosh. Anytime we can get someone like Curtis. Curtis, thanks so much for joining us, man. We really appreciate it. Hey, anything for you, Jay. You are, you are a good friend for many years. Still is. Still are. Oh, thank you. I, I We got to talk about Liv. I mean, there's no way to – I can't stand Liv. I can't stand what it's done to the game. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Well, it's been disruptive. 
uh, obviously, there's been a lot of things said early on and still a little snippy comments that just it's almost like it's disgusting. I mean, it's, it's, it's childish stuff between what Greg Norman says, what the tour comes back with, what now now some of the players feel as though they need to respond and they do. And thank goodness we have a, a an intelligent voice in Roy McElroy. Forget about his ability to play the game, but he's been uh, he's been a great supporter of the tour and become really the voice of the tour. And uh, he's he's really been a stand up guy, and I appreciate all of his efforts. It is what it is. It's 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 a it's a group of people, a country that came in and bought players to create an upstart tour. Uh, they have nothing over there. They what they have is is big cash, and they have bought players away and. You know, I I don't blame anybody for going. Uh, they've offered so much money, it, it would be hard to turn down. But when you realize what you're doing, you're leaving the tour that actually made you who you are. You're turning your back on those who came before us, the greats of the game, the ones that paved the way years and years ago. Uh, that's a tough that's a tough pill to swallow for me. And and and, and so much money they do, but just go and. Just go and don't let the door hit you on the rear end on the way out. Don't say anything else. But now, you know, there's been comments back and forth, so it's gotten ugly. Uh, it's not good for anybody, and and it's just uh, we'll get through this. We'll get through this, but it might take a year or two. Curtis, what do you think about the tour's response? Because I don't really care much for that either. I felt like it made us look a little weak. It made us look exactly what we were is reactive and not proactive. I have to admit that, uh, you know, Mickelson went, away barking and you know saying things negative things about the tour's got this you know this uh treasure chest of money and we want it we want it we talk about greed for god's sakes i mean the guy makes a, a load of money and he wants more but needless to say he's not getting a christmas card from me so, <laughs> uh, i've tried to temper all this but it's just hard sometimes all of a sudden we came up with all this money and now this money in our in our in our fund is for catastrophic events much like covid covid cost us almost 200 million dollars on the tour so that's what we have this treasure chest over there for what if tv backs out of us one day i don't think that's going to happen but there's there's it's there for a reason so now we're spending that uh the tour's coming up with all the uh the the uh additional prize money and then we have the pip the performance enhancing product or whatever thing stands for giving money away to the tour players that's what contracts are for to award you for being a good guy good looking guy stand you know character integrity the whole thing but we have been proactive now we come up with these elevated events where for you know 20 and 25 million dollars and we can't afford that for three or four or five years i don't know where the money's going to come from they have a better idea than i certainly do because i'm not privy to all the information but i know by talking to a lot of people, this is the deal. So it looks like on the surface, Phil Mickelson actually won this battle, but he's not there to receive any of the money because he's over on live. So it is uh, a tough situation for us right now, but now the benefits of the players playing the tour, if you're a top 50 player in the world, is tremendous, tremendous upside. Curtis, one of the great accomplishments in the game of golf, back-to-back U.S. Open championships. So I'm curious is it more special knowing that anybody can qualify and you win that golf tournament as opposed to invitation only for a particular golf tournament? Oh, it's special because it's our national championship. 
Um, and, and that's first and foremost. Uh, it's the biggest tournament that I or Jay could win. I think any, any of these elevated events with top, the top 50 players in the world is, would be pretty special. Uh, because you are beating the best in the world. And when, and whenever you win a tournament and it's and it's a good field, there's a little bit on the play ride home. There's a little bit of extra satisfaction there. That first beer goes down a little bit smoother. <laughs> you know what I mean? uh, they're all special. Try the tour is so good, and and so many talented guys are all special. But to win the U.S. Open, I don't, being every, anybody can qualify, it's nice. But uh, it's special because it's our national championship, and it is one of the best fields of the year. Curtis, when I was a little boy, there wasn't a day that didn't go along where I didn't have a putt to win our national open. It was always the top of the list for me. You know, and, and, and me too, Jay. And and the reason being for me is that, you know, it, it could have been very well the Masters because when I was young, it was – my dad was a club pro and he had a little tiny black and white in the corner of the black and white TV in the corner of the golf shop. And, you know, we always watch a few minutes of the masters and a little bit of the U S open because it wasn't on TV a whole lot back in the day. You know, it would be easy because you saw the masters on TV, but my dad played in six U S opens and he was a good player. And so I always come back with the, the memories and the stories of, of seeing Trevino for the first time or Trevino or, or Venturi in 64, that kind of stuff. And so I kind of, went over to the U.S. Open, as you did, and every afternoon late, there'd be four balls out there you know, for the U.S. Open. Absolutely, the same story. Curtis, is there a player, you mentioned McElroy earlier and what he's done for the game and staying with the PGA Tour, being vocal about it. Is there a player now that you enjoy and you'll sit there and watch on a Saturday or a Sunday and say, yeah, I'm going to take time out of my schedule. I'm going to watch that current player. Well, John Rahm is right there at the top of the list. <laughs> <laughs> You know, we interviewed him in Butler Cabin on Thursday, and we shot a great first round. And I've been around him a lot, but to see him in a, in a normal atmosphere inside and against a guy like Scott Van Pelt, who's a big man, big tall man, this guy, John Rahm, is a mountain of a man. He has got the biggest legs and the biggest back and shoulders. There's no wonder he hits it so far. But not only does he hit it far, the strength enables him to control things probably maybe a little easier but then he swings so hard uh, that that kind of goes out the window once in a while but he's just such a big man he's he'll be able to his strength will carry him to a long career he won't weaken like some others might with a with a lesser a body he's a thoughtful guy and he's so intense that's such an ad so advantage for somebody who's so intense naturally that does it affect his next shots once in a while probably once in a while did me too, probably did Jay, but that's the nature of the game. But the intensity and the focus will carry him on for to become really one of the greats of the game, I think. Scotty Scheffler, magician around the greens for a big man. I uh, just love the way he plays. He really plays well. He hits a lot of fairways, a lot of greens, and has great hands around the greens. And he came back and had a great master. So uh, there's others out there. There's a lot of young kids out there I like to watch. Uh, you know, as I sit here talking to you guys, I'm a fan of the game like everybody else in, in this world. I don't play much anymore. I only do two events for TV. So I'm back watching and want to learn, want to watch swings. And Jay and I have never seen a swing that we didn't dissect. <laughs> on tour. So we didn't recognize players by faces or hats, but by swings on tour. So it's, it's, it's still great fun for me and, and a joy to watch them. Curtis and Jay, if you could just hold on for just a moment want to tell our listeners about Athletic Greens. As you all know, great athletes 
like Curtis Strange, like Jay Delsing, have one thing in common, and that's the fact that they take care of their bodies. So we all want to take care of our bodies. Huge part of that is optimizing whole body health, and it starts with AG1. I take it. Jay takes it. My family takes it. And that's how we start our days. 75 high-quality ingredients that give me key daily nutrients and long-term gut health support. The offer part of AG1 that I love, it costs just $3 a day. So let me say that again. AG1 is $3 a day. That's it. So I take ownership of my health with a simple daily habit when I start my day in the mornings with AG1. I started AG1, and it truly has helped my body. I take it every day, every morning, and the results, they have been amazing. I'm talking about better gut health, better and sustained energy, immune system support. So I was sick of taking pills, and with AG1, I get a supplement that actually tastes great. AG1 has all of my key health products in one. It's comprehensive health and the power of habit in one. It's a comprehensive solution. It's what you need from your supplement routine. If a comprehensive solution is what you need from your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash BTF for Beyond the Fairways. Athleticgreens.com slash BTF. That's athleticgreens.com BTF for Beyond the Fairways. Curtis, one of the things to your point about Rom, I, I was blown away at the human that he is. He's 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 thoughtful and intelligent. He's really managed to to take care of the anger and and the when he was a young man, if he got off to a bad start, he could implode in the first three or four holes. And he's done a just a great job with with trying to overcome that. Well, he it what helps that as you know is good play, and his play of the last year and a half has been phenomenal. But also, you know, you mature, you you get to a point in in the state of the game to there's a lot of responsibility that he still gets upset with himself. And if he didn't, that would, he wouldn't be the player he is. If he tried to be somebody who wouldn't be, he, he wasn't, you know, everybody goes through that as a young kid, they expect so much out of themselves and they get mad at themselves. And I'd re- much rather see somebody get aggravated after a bad shot than, than hang his head. If I ever saw somebody hang their head, and feel sorry for themselves, they're not going to be any problem at all. You know, we're going to wax them, you know, today. It's just, it's just the way it is. And, and it's a competitive sport, uh, and it all is on your shoulders, solely on your shoulders. So there's a huge responsibility in, in preparing, playing, accepting good and bad. So that part of the game hasn't changed. What are the parts of the game that you see that really stand out on how much it's changed from when you're winning back-to-back U.S. Opens to what you see now in 2023? Well, the most obvious is the distance. But they still have to get the ball in the hole. And what I like to watch is their their short games around the greens and the putting. I think they're so much better than we were. Conditions, obviously, a little bit better. In the 60-degree wedge certainly helped in the last 25 years. But they chip the ball so well, and they putt the ball so well. And the putting part of it is where they have improved because they work on it a whole lot more than we did. You know, I'd hit balls after every round for 30, 40, 50 minutes or an hour, and they go putt for five minutes. It's ass backwards. We should have putted for 30 or 40 minutes and hit balls for five minutes because that's where you score. If I had to do it all over again, Jay, 
I'd hit half as many balls and I'd putt the remaining part of the time. But that's not the sexy, fun part of the game. So, uh, but that's where you score, and that's where they're. They look like to me they're so good around the greens. Curtis, I would have never tried to change my swing like I did and lower my hands and all this other stuff because I, you know, I was so homemade and never had any lessons, and I would have just worked on my short game, like you said, figured out how to use the bounce of the wedge, you know, in my first two years on tour instead of taking me 15 and all this other stupid stuff that I spent time on. But we didn't know. And like I said, if knowing what I know now, I would have done that. But that's, you you don't know that. And we didn't, we didn't take putting as a real science like our swings back in the day. Dave Peltz was the one that brought it to light years ago, the, the short game guru, engineer, scientist, smart guy. Now they have the machines at home. They have the, the, the track man for putting. They have all the gadgets out there on the putting green. You saw this past week at the Masters. And that's all a good thing. I wasn't a gimmick guy with my swing too much. But on the putting green, I think it's a great thing to check your alignment every single day and to check your speed and to check your ability to read the green. Things like that, that uh, that's where I think they've taken a very, very important part of the game to the next level, unlike us. Yeah, Curtis, and I don't know, I guess it's just because of Tiger and all the attention and all the money. You look back at, at a putting green back in our day, and you know you might have three or four people putting on it. You, you look at a, a tour <laughs> event now, and there's it's a, it looks like families are camping out out there. <laughs> I know. You know you're right, but it's just that was the next that was the next step, and I think the next step might be more mental because it is a game eighty percent mental, really. When you think about it, you have so much time to think. But you know the guys have the sports psychologist. I think it's fantastic if somebody's telling you how damn good you are every time you turn around. Where does it go from here? Uh, you know what? They're just going to be bigger and better athletes. I'm waiting for the next guy today who's a little bit taller than you. Not a lot, but he's going to be about 6'10". His hand's going to be at the top of the roof, and he's going to have a great ability to play the game. And just think how far that ball is going to go. And it's not going to be equipment or ball. It's going to be his ability to swing the club much faster than most everybody else. You mentioned television earlier. Curtis, did you enjoy that run? And you still do a little bit. And you're pretty blunt in your assessment. You're one of the great analysts the game has seen. Did did you really enjoy that? Was that something that you looked at and said, yeah, this is this is something I really enjoy and I, I want to get better and better, and you did. Is it something, though, that you enjoyed? Yes, I do. It's a, it's a team game over there in the compound. It's a, you, you get very close. You work together. You try to make each other look good. And I had great, great help initially in 97 with Mike Tarico uh, and worked eight years with him. You know, I learned when I, when I was when I went in the booth at, at 42 years old, it was a big decision. But I could play and do TV. That's why I did it. But I learned, and it, now it's a challenge to get better. And I'm still very average. You're very nice in your words, but I still try to get better. And the reason I'm not very good because my vocabulary is not as big as some. Okay, so I kind of get into the meat and potatoes of the game. Jim Nance, I'm not. But I can tell you how to play the game and how to play the golf course and what I see from this player. I really, really enjoyed it. And then I really got to love it when I was 53 and went back to ESPN. And we had seven or eight terms a year, did the Open Championship, you know, do early golf, Masters, PGA. It's a challenge to learn how to say something more concise and clear every day. Timing is such a big thing in golf. Silence is the greatest sound in golf. Silence. 
Let's set it up and let it play. Set Jace Delsing up. Second shot, 15 from 153, went down to the right and shut up and, and let him play. And uh, that's that's the, 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 the attitude I take. And so I really do enjoy it. The Masters kind of beats me up. We have such long hours. I'm not a morning person, okay? <laughs> <laughs> <But anyway. laughs> you know, I had a 7 a.m. sports center hit Sunday morning. I went, wow, how can I even function at that time? But anyway, it's good stuff. It's fun. And, you know, you try to bring the game closer to the viewer. So in doing that, and the Masters did show it, and other events have shown it, do you like the idea of being able to visit with a player in the middle of the round? Do you think that's a good thing for the sport? I think it. what I just said, it brings the game closer. It brings the game closer to the viewer. Yeah. I think it's been wonderful if you get the right personality. And, you know, it's all done beforehand so that when the guy does it, he's already agreed and he's going to be, he's going to be on point. I would never do it, never, because I think it's – it's disruptive a little bit. And Max Homa is that personality that loves to do it. He's done it. And he's fantastic at it. I was taken aback a little bit on Friday or Saturday when Rory McIlroy did it. Friday, I think. And on the ninth hole, and they were talking to him when he was pulling his club out of the bag. And then he talked to him as soon as he hit the shot. I, I get walking down the fairway, but not when you get close to your ball. Okay, thanks so much, Rory. You know, have a, have a good day. But anyway, that's their call. And they do what they want to do, and it's pretty good because we always, in any sport, we want to just see the guy speak to the camera. And it, it, it's, it's fun to hear what they have to say. Curtis, one of the things that jumps out at me is the better athletes that are playing the game. To your point a few minutes ago about a taller guy, a stronger guy, we are getting athletes that are playing the game, and it's taking it to a different spot, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I used to get offended by, by saying they're better athletes because – you know, you and I played high school ball and, 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 and some intramural stuff in college, possibly. And, and I thought we, we had some really damn good athletes in our day. Some were better than others, put it that way. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we all were good athletes. Now, they truly are. And athletes are getting better. Their hand-eye coordination is better. Their, their training is better. Their, their body is bigger and stronger and faster and jumps higher. And, and, and it's the way it should be. But uh, they really are. They have this ability to play the game with the strength and size. That's why I wonder what this new ball is going to do. It's, you know, the, just the game is the game. And bigger guys are going to hit a golf ball farther than a small guy. So trying to rein in a golf ball, it, 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 adds, it, it brings in more questions than it answers. But anyway, we want to go there. But, yeah, they're good. They're big. I mean, John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, 6'4". Hell, if you're not 6'3 or 6'4 anymore, I, I don't know if you can be a top 10 player in the world. So, Curtis, you win, and here we are talking to a guy that wins back-to-back -back U.S. Open championships. Uh, you led the money list multiple times. You won the NCAA championship as a single, and then you win it twice with the team. It may be a crazy question, but where does that rank on some of the accomplishments that you've had in professional golf, but also what you've done at the NCAA level? You know, it's not crazy at all. I, I hold those near and dear. Uh, uh, it's it's right there in my memory bank that I'll never forget. You know, we were so young, we didn't know what we'd accomplished at the time. Uh, it was the first time Wake Forest had won a team championship, and, and I happened to do it as a freshman. And, you know, you don't know, but I tell people all the time, I, when I called home that afternoon after winning, I, my mother cried, and she wow. never cried before. It was a big deal, and, and that was my first realization of what it was. And So whenever I NCAA rolls around, I watch the individual. 
uh, big time because it's and now my understanding is the Masters and going forward is going to invite the NCAA individual champion every year, and I think that's absolutely tremendous. Much like they invite the the U.S. Amateur and the runner up every year, and, and they were both there last year. And of course, Sam um, Bennett. Yeah, Bennett, the U.S. Amber, won low Amber. I mean, what a what a week he had. But uh, and you know what? He flew home. And y'all don't know this. He flew home privately Sunday night after playing four rounds of the Masters, finishing like 15th or 17th. And he had to play 36 holes yesterday in a college event. He was fired up and full of energy. I know that it was good for him to play. But you know, the NCAA is big. It's the biggest thing you can play in, other than the U.S. Amateur in the day when you're a kid. It was exciting. Uh, team event was exciting, and uh, it's something I'll never forget. If someone came to us while we were playing and said, we're going to roll the golf ball back, it would mean redoing every aspect of your game. Even from a 40-yard, 50-yard pitch shot's going to react differently with that ball. It would have been – it's a big challenge to try to do something like that. Well, it's a big challenge to – I don't think rolling a ball back so many yards – would be that big a deal you just learn the yardage but the spin's going to be different than the ball you play now because it's going to be one ball for everyone the spin will be consistent everybody plays a different spinny ball now different balls different manufacturers different firm different hardnesses of the ball everybody's got it dialed into their own particular clubs so that's the part of the game chipping around the greens how far the ball goes maybe not so much how much it spins offline maybe some there's there's different tiny aspects of the game as as we know that will be affected will they learn how to play the ball fairly quickly yes i think so but what does it do to the you know who plays it who doesn't play it do the many all the many tours around the world what about college what about the ncaa they want to play the ball the pros play i would think uh, what about the women? What about the juniors? Uh, I, I just don't know how they're going to do this, but they're determined to do it. So uh, uh, we'll have to wait and see. But I think the pros are so damn good. I don't think it's going to affect them that much. Curtis, you mentioned the pride that you had in winning the U.S. Open, being from the United States. The Ryder Cup, you had a huge hand in that as a player, and you captained the Ryder Cup in 2002. On a personal level, what did, what did that mean to you? It's the, it's the greatest honor I've ever had for Sarah and myself to lead this team, to be captain. Best week we've ever had together being over at the Belfry, you know, without hitting a shot. Uh, it was tremendous. Uh, it, was, it was great, hectic. It was nerve-wracking. Twelve players look at you and, and listen to you. It means a lot. You know, the only difference was we, we didn't win, but that's on them. <laughs> but... but uh, Anyway, uh, it was great leading up to it. And, you know, unfortunately, that was during 9-11. So we were delayed a year. So uh, but it was great. Uh, we had a ball. And then, of course, playing is, you know, I love team sports in high school. I, the team aspect, is, it, it doesn't get any better because you work, you're playing for somebody other than yourself. You've got to keep up your end of the bargain on the team. And the same goes in the Ryder Cup. Your partner that you're playing with that particular day, your other 11 teammates, your captain playing for your country. Uh, it, it, it's a great honor and a great thrill, and it's a hell of a lot of fun, too. Curtis and Jay, hold on for just a moment. The NFL draft is almost here, and the most exciting prospect is the prospect of being perfectly groomed head-to-toe with our friends at Manscaped. Manscaped has had long, elite downfield play and talent with their lawnmower 4.0, but in 2023, 
They have had the rookie sensation Beard Hedger to ensure the face of your franchise. It's a pretty one. The one-two punch of men's grooming is the best acquisition for any at home GM. So go to manscaped.com, save some salary cap with our code BTF for Beyond the Fairways and 20% off free shipping. Again, 20% off free shipping. And again, the promo code is BTF at manscaped.com. Now they have sent me product. I use it. Jay uses it. Matter of fact, I gave some to my neighbors. They have beards. They are loving it. It's a really great product. And this year, Manscaped can help you make that sexy pick without forgetting about your big uglies up front. So this is the season of trimming the roster. Manscaped will make sure you're cutting all the right players and not any important pieces to your D. You've now done the dirty work. Now it's time to make sure you look good out there with the Beard Hedger and its 20 positions of precision. Powerful cordless trimmer helps you customize your look with a rotary wheel that has 20 links while only using one guard. If you haven't upgraded your grooming tools already, head to Manscaped for a champion worth roster reset. So again, 20% off and free shipping with the code BTF at manscaped.com. Again, 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code BTF. Go from Mr. Irrelevant to a first round pick with Manscaped. You know, the Ryder Cup when we were kids was something that we didn't really even talk about because the U.S. was so dominant. Then Seve right. comes over, Bernhard, Olathabel, and they include Europe in, in this thing. Now with Liv, you know, we, we the U.S. Had, had reached a point team-wise where the, we had these young players. We have the Cantlay, Schaffleys, Schefflers, these guys coming up. It looked to me like the tide was going to turn for quite a number of years, and now Liv gets thrown in there, and the thing's completely upside down. I mean, it's going to be hard to know what the Ryder Cup's even going to look like now. You know, Jay, Europe more than affects us uh, because we have more depth. There's two players that are going to be missing for us that more than likely would be on the team is Brooks and Dustin Johnson. They're going to lose, you know, Poulter, although they're aging out. Westwood, Poulter, Sergio, they're all aging out. Who knows? You know, historically, well, recent of recent years, last 20 years or so, they've been dominant in the U.S. And, and on paper, it shouldn't even it should be the opposite. But they come in and play hard. They have a lot to prove. It means a lot to them. But the tide has turned. Trust me, I think. And all of those, the, the nucleus of the team, the last team is going to be there. And that's all we need. And young kids with a lot of energy and enthusiasm playing on the team sometimes means more than raw talent, if you know what I mean. Sure. I, you know, if you've got a veteran out there, this is seventh or eighth Ryder Cup, and it gets old like anything would be. You know, the energy is not quite there versus a young kid. I want the young kid. It's going to be good. I don't think we're missing anybody that's going to really make a huge difference for the talent level on, on, on our team anyway. Do you have a question? I'll wrap it up with this on my side of things. And correct me if I'm wrong, Curtis, but you shot a 62 on the old course. And the old course obviously has changed since that time. Can you explain to an average golfer a 62 and how locked in you have to be to do something like that? Well, I, I thank you for bringing that up because, you know, memories aren't just winning tournaments or, or losing tournaments. It's things like that. You know, shots you hit on under the gun that mean a lot. When, when everybody asks me the best shot you ever hit or whatever, it's not the shot on Tuesday. It's not the shot on Thursday or Friday. It's the shot that meant the most that you pulled off. 
shooting 62 at St. Andrews is something that, gosh, I, it was a great day. I was playing, it was actually a consolation match at the Dunhill Cup team event. I was playing Norman. You know, it was still in competition. I got going that day and, and birdied the last. And I knew what I had to do. I knew what the record was, 63. And, and the last hole not being a hard one, but you still got to hit a, you still got to driver and a little wedge on the green and make a putt. So it was exciting to be able to do that on the old courses, just to play the old course in the open or the Dunhill Cup, just to be over there. You know, my Walker Cup team in 74 played the old course at St. Andrews. I was 18 years old. Really? Where, where have you brought me? <laughs> wow. To the moon? To the other side of the moon? And then you learn to love this place. And it, uh, it was great to be able to go back all the years. And I almost went back. Sarah and I almost went back this past year just because it would have been our last time there. Hopefully I get back another time. But uh, it's, it's just a place you – it's the home of golf. That's all you have to say. Curtis, sometimes when I think about some of the people I got to play with, some of the places I got to play with, and at the age, it just doesn't make any sense because I had no appreciation for what this game did for me and the people and the competition, the places it took me. I wind up you know, looking around, and then maybe two or three or ten years later, I go – how the hell did that happen to me? <laughs> you know what? It's a great point you make. You, I think we all appreciate it sitting in the chair talking to each other like this more than we ever did at the time. You know, you, you got on an airplane, you went to the next week. You played that week, you got on an airplane and went to the next week, or you drove. And it was one thing after another for, for 20 or 25 years, and you never stopped. You didn't, you didn't think of it. That wasn't your job. It was, your job was to make ends meet for the family, provide for the family, try to get home from soccer games or whatever it might be and move on again. But now to go back and think about what you just said, places you've been, people you've met, friends you've made and still have. Uh, to me, my dear friends still are players I played against because we, we had so much in common. But the friends you make around the world and especially in the country, tournament directors, volunteers you might meet, airline pilots that you see often <laughs> you know, flying to and from Cincinnati all the time. It's uh, it really does. It's it's you have to pinch yourself sometimes, don't you? Say? You you really do. And I one of the last things I just had for you, Curtis, that I know happened in our generation <laughs> doesn't happen anymore, is you were a natural left hander. I can always remember having lunch with you, and I, I'd watch you eat with your left hand, and I'm like, what the hell? This guy's totally confused because he's a world class player right handed, <laughs> but he's eating left handed. No, you just hit the nail on the head. Totally confused. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been fooling them for 40 years. <laughs> I, you know, it's just, it's just, I fell through the cracks in first grade. They didn't switch me over. I'm actually dominant right side, but I do a lot of things, kick left-footed, right left-handed, shoot a gun left-handed, shoot a bow right-handed, figure that out. So I, I kind of look at things from a, uh, I don't, I, I just, uh, it's just what happened. And I, and I play, hit a baseball right-handed and play golf right-handed. So is it an advantage? No. No, I, I, I can't get it off the ground left-handed. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Curtis, we're gonna, we're, we'll, we'll let you go. You've given us so much time, and it's a thrill for both of us. I know for Jay, he, he speaks so highly of you. And for me, it's a thrill to visit with a two-time U.S. Open champion and one of the great players and a World Golf Hall of Famers. So thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. The pleasure is all mine. I enjoy it. I enjoy talking about old times, talking to old friends like Jay, and thanks for having me. It's the breakdown. There it is. A win for the ages. It is better than most. Better than most. Maybe. Yes, sir. Here it is. 
the return to glory on Beyond the Fairways. This is Beyond the Fairways. We always have big guests. It's presented by Doherty Business Solutions. Really none bigger than Curtis Strange when you talk about a guy that has back-to-back U.S. Opens. I loved our visit. What did you take away from it? I knew him as a competitor. And now things are, you know, we're past, well past that. We share so many similarities, I guess, you know, and, and when you're, when you're out there playing and I never got to the top of the money list and things like that, you, you just never know how, what someone's thinking or, or there's just a fondness there that, that warms your heart because this game, it's done so much for all of us. Right. And, and to be able to sit there and talk to him and listen to his opinions, I, I, I just thought it was fantastic. He still loves the game. He still breaks down swings like we used to do. He talked about the importance of the NCAA championship, which surprised me a little bit. He's got two U.S. Open trophies right. on the wall, you know, but that's cool. I had goosebumps when he was talking about what it means to win the U.S. Open. He was close at the Masters. He's played well overseas. Obviously, he's a 17-time PGA Tournament winner, so he's had the accolades. He was the first to reach a million bucks in earnings. He was the absolute first. But yet, when he was, I get goosebumps now, when he was talking about winning our national championship, if you will, the U.S. Open, and what that meant to him, just gave me a different perspective because I could try to qualify for it. I'm not going to make it, but yet anybody in the world can try to get in this thing. And he's a two-time winner at the top of that list. You know what also was cool, Danny? His father played in six Six championships. That's amazing. That is not an easy accomplishment. So, there, we're talking about this competition and this affinity for the U.S. Open. It runs through the family. It runs through his veins. It's in his blood. We have seen, as we visit with some of the players that built the PGA Tour, yourself, Curtis Strange, Lee Trevino, Tom Watson, the guests that we've had, and all have been very vocal about Liv. And Curtis was pretty vocal there in that interview about his frustration with Liv as compared to the uh, PGA Tour. Yeah, he, he really was. And I, that's really what I thought he would weigh in you on. You went it. right I mean, at it, man. He did. I just you, couldn't you started wait. It. I couldn't wait. But, I mean, I think he feels the same way most of us, us do. We understand why the guys took the money. Forget all the BS, Danny, about growing the game. That's a bunch of baloney. It's not growing the game. Perhaps it can way down the road but they didn't do it because of that did it because of the money take the money enjoy the money don't sue the tour move yeah, on just move on as he said don't let the door hit you on the backside on the way out let's go and i think his point and he didn't say it exactly like this i'm paraphrasing but the world golf rankings i mean how do you get a world golf ranking after watching what is an exhibition in my mind of three days as opposed to the competition that you get in a four-day event on the PGA Tour. 100%, Danny. And you look at the live, the top level of the live players, they're outstanding. You've got DJ, Cameron Smith, Mickelson, Reed, DeChambeau. Uh, the list goes on. But it doesn't go on like the PGA Tour does. You're talking about 48-men fields. And you and I are in the weeds on golf and sport in general, we couldn't name one of the lower half of those fields. They don't deserve world golf ranking points as it is. There needs to be modifications. 
no one's denying that it skewed the world golf rankings. We know Dustin Johnson needs to be in the top 50. We know Cameron Smith needs to be in. The, we're, we're not arguing that. But you don't just do something like Greg Norman's done and get everything you want just because you want it. You need to earn it and you need to deserve it. He shoots a 62 at the old course. My partner here, Jay Delsing at Memphis, shot a 61. That is a course record there. I've never done that. You know, you can take 61, 62 times two for me. Um, so I've never You're done. You're not that bad. Come on, man. That's not true. I, I've never done something like that. And many of our listeners have never done something like that. So you're in the elite of the elite. I can only imagine what it feels like. Every ball off your club feels good. And probably the, the hole looks like it's about 10 feet wide and you're dropping every single putt. Danny, 100%. And what's really weird about it is mentally, time slows down. There's this overall calmness that you just can't explain. And it's this... It's for for an athlete. It's utopic. It's like yeah. utopia. It's it's something. I, I've had a couple of rounds. I think I shot a sixty two up at um, Enjoy, which is a BC Open. That's still a course record. I still got a few course records. I've got one up in in Canada where I shot a sixty two. But that's that same thing comes into play where if you talk to Brooks Kepka about the way that he played on Sunday. And what he experienced, it was not calm. It was not soft. It was not slowed down. It was more frenetic. It was a little crazy, and it was more out of control. All I know is you can compare the differences. I just couldn't get myself there often enough. So the other thing, we'll wrap up this segment with this. I, I found this really interesting. And how tall are you? Six foot five. Yeah, you're six five. And I'm sure back in the day, you're one of the tallest guys, if not the tallest on tour. And he was saying, you're going to have to be six three, six four to be competitive on the PGA Tour because of the length. And taller guys with their swing might get a little bit more power, but more length off the tee. And certainly, just generally speaking. Yeah, no question. And I thought it was great. He said 6'10", which is probably a little too tall. But you start thinking about someone 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", with the arc, with the strength, with the power. And that also, to his point, knows how to play the game around the greens. And he was really adamant about talking about how good these players are around the greens and on the greens, Danny. And I thought that was really, really poignant and really interesting. Beyond the Fairways brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. Coming up, we'll have our tip segment. We'll talk about what you may have seen at the Masters or other places and how to hit on those courses, the undulation, side hill wise. That's coming up next. Again, brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. This is Beyond the Fairways. Have you ever wanted tips from a PGA pro? It's the tip segment on Beyond the Fairways with PGA professional Jay Delsing and four-time Emmy Award-winning broadcaster, Dan McLaughlin. Tip segment, and we're brought to you by, on Beyond the Fairways, Darty Business Solutions. Uh, for anybody that watches the Masters over the years, you see the tough lies. Even if you hit it right down the middle, you still have somewhat of a side hill, Jay. So you're either your feet are below the ball or sometimes above the ball, it seems like. I mean, it is tough, very tough with the undulation. So generally speaking, 
Let's talk about it when it's below your feet. How are you trying to hit this ball? Great example, Danny, was Gary Woodland having it, got it going on Sunday at Augusta, goes to number nine, drives it miles down the middle of the fairway. He's just got a pitching wedge left, but a very severe downhill lie. And Danny, he's got to hit the green. The ball has to go to an uphill lie to an elevated green. It's so hard. Gary made a good swing. He's three or four under par at the time. Hit the ball soundly, but the ball came out lower. Landed on the front of the green. Spun back off the green and made a bogey, and it derailed his entire round. So what you have to do is you cannot try to lift the ball or try to hit it higher. You have to accept that it's going to take come out lower. It's not going to stay in the air as well as it typically would, and you have to adjust either with a little more club or with where you Put the ball. Do not try to lift it or else you're going to hit it even lower. Most likely skull it. So stay down, stay through it. And the rule of thumb, Danny, is try to match your shoulders to the terrain that you're hitting off of. So when you're on that downhill lie, you've got to lower your lead shoulder. For us right-handers, that's our left shoulder. Lower that a little bit because your arms swing on your shoulder line, and that will get you matched up with the terrain. The same thing would happen, Danny, for a severe uphill lie. you got to drop your back shoulder so that your shoulders are more tilted up like that, and then you got a chance to swing up on that line. But it is extremely difficult, and it takes lots of practice to figure it out. How about your stance and positioning of the ball? That's a great point. So when you're on a downhill lie, you're going to have to try to get that ball. Let's see. We're going to try to put that ball a little farther forward in your stance to give you a little more time to try to get under that. And when you go on an uphill lie, the ball goes back in your stance a little bit. All of the things, Danny, are are difficult. If you get a side hill lie, for example, let's say we're right-handed golfers and the ball is above our feet. You got to choke up on that. Just think about it. The ball's closer to you. If you don't choke up, you've got that long shaft. It's going to get into the ground too soon and you're going to hit it fat. This is where we can really help people. Let's say the ball's below your feet. Let's say that the lie's not too tilted from front to back, so it's not too downhilly, but it's very side hill and the ball's under your feet. You can't create a longer shaft, so you have to bend over from the waist, Danny, and get your upper body a little closer to the ball to make up for that room that you're going to lose trying to trying to get to that ball. So those are the ways to play side hill lies. One of the things that uh, Curtis Strange talked about was chipping and also putting and how the game has really, really changed. We're going to get into that with innovations in golf. That segment is coming up. Putters, which are the best out there today and why. This is Beyond the Fairways, presented by Darty Business Solutions. The world of golf is ever-evolving. It's time for Equipment and Innovations in Golf on Beyond the Fairways. Innovations in Golf segment. This is Beyond the Fairways. Wherever you get your podcast, please download it. Wherever it may be, Beyond the Fairways with an S. And as always, we're brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. Curtis Strange. I found it really cool when you guys are going back and forth saying, man, if I could do it over, I'd be chipping, I'd be putting, maybe 90% difference of I'm always pounding balls. Curtis said I'm going out 50, 60 minutes, an hour of uh, pounding balls after my round. He said, man, I should have just gone and worked on my short game. So at Innovations in Golf, let's talk about putting. 
How has the putter changed over the years? They've gotten so specific. I mean, let's take a Scotty Cameron, for example, because Scotty makes some of the best putters in the market. Some we of the hear most, about the Scotty Cameron all oh, the time. Oh, yeah, some of the most popular on the PGA Tour. I mean, Tiger's got a Scotty Cameron that he calls his gamer, and I think, I don't know, it's valued at well over a million dollars, right, that he's won some of his tournaments with. Yeah, crazy. These putters are so, first of all, they're milled, so they're coming right out of a block of metal and they're milled so the face has got a perfectly flat face with four degrees loft on it all this stuff danny is laser etched all double triple checked it's it's sweet i mean back in our day danny we just pulled putters off the rack <laughs> exactly i mean it was a, a flat stick let's go for yeah, it yeah and you know who made the best putters and still makes a damn good putter is ping yeah the ping manufacturer carson solheim they did a great job. Their family's still in the biz, and they do a great job. And so you get a ping putter, and it's still extremely very precise. One of the things Karsten did to their benefit is their quality control from the word go was really, really solid. But Scotty Cameron's taken it to a different level. He's marketed it well. There's now Circle Tees, which is, for, for us tour players, creates a hell of a lot of value in these putters. I, I, I've got some what putters. What is a Circle T? So a Circle T, is, it looks like it's a little T with a circle on it. Somewhere on that putter that Scotty makes only for tour players, you'll find a Circle T. And so he was brilliant in marketing it because it gives tremendous value to these things on eBay into into different markets. I've actually, man, I, I was never like this when I played. If I took a putter, it's because I was going to use it or something. But I've got friends that have 300, 400 of these Scotty Cameron wow. Circle Tees because – you know, we're looking. Yeah, yeah. They were smarter than I were. I was. They were thinking, "Hell, I got a, I got a pile of money over here." I was just thinking, this "Let's might just catch play. on and go yeah. uh, eBay." Huh? Yeah, absolutely. So you stick it on eBay. I know uh, Neil Lancaster told me he has three hundred and fifty Scotty Cameron Circle Tees. Wow. So what it does is it market. It gets it a market for for it. If you get an amateur, like I gave my nephew Taylor Twelman, who loves the game, I gave him a Circle T putter, and he's like, "Dude, this is so cool." Well. They've gotten so specific, Danny. Now there's lie angles for the putter. So a taller guy's going to want a little more upright putter. A shorter guy's going to want a little flatter putter. I used to, go on really, really slow greens, I would get a heavier putter. I'd have my exact putter replicated, but make it 50, 60, 80 grams heavier. And then I'd have weights in the bottom of these putters Just too, Danny. Ask you about and that. you can change those. So you get to a faster putting surface. You don't need quite as heavy a putter. And so there are all these modifications that they make. You can have a, a certain amount of weight on the toe of the putter compared to the heel of the putter in the Camerons. And it goes on and on and on. And you could get in the weeds what Curtis was talking about was the importance of the putting and the importance of checking your setup more and more and things like that. And we didn't do that in our generation nearly enough. And Tom least. Watson talked about that. He said, hey, if you have a young golfer, get him on the, the around the green. Yep. You know, work on your chipping, work on your putting. Okay, you caught my attention on something. Yeah. You, you've got a 60 degree. you got a 56 degree. Yep. You've got, uh, you know, different degrees on your driver, you said to me four degrees on a putter because most people think, well, it's just straight, but you got a little no, bit of four no, degrees. No, no, you want a little loft. You need a little loft, Danny, because that because think about it this way: if you had a dead straight face and you were a little off on your timing, that ball would get beat 
beaten down straight into the grass and wouldn't roll well or into the green. So you want a little bit of loft. And one of the cool things, you know, Curtis talked about TrackMan and talked about all of these different computers. Well, we have these high-speed and high-powered cameras now that catch all of this cool stuff that we never used to know what happened at impact. Now for putting, you get, you, you slow it down and look at impact and the ball leaves the ground a little bit. Yeah. And then it starts rolling very shortly thereafter. And what's neat about it is you don't want any side or dispersion spin on that putt so that when it hits the ground, it rolls straight and true. And that's important. And that's why the four degrees really helps. Who does benefit the most from the belly putter? Who do you think it is? And we see a lot of the the Champions Tour guys, older players seem to use that. Yeah. So the belly putter is prevalent in today's game. Yeah. It's uh, it's also been outlawed in today's game on right. the PGA Tour, as you know. But what they're doing, Danny, is they're doing a variation of it. So now there's no part of the putter that can be anchored to your body. So I used to practice all the time with a belly belly putter and you can imagine at my height how long that putter was it was longer than my driver it's and like reaching guys from the, were, the floor up to the, the rim it's yeah 10 feet, the guys were a little feet. laughing at me when i practiced with this thing but then it because it you you just got the feeling of this really solid impact through the through the smooth. hit and it was smooth and and it, it was almost to me it almost felt like stealing a little bit yeah. then i started using it a couple of times during competition because it helped but what they're doing is they're using these things where you've got bernard langer doing it you got adam scott who we just watched at the masters putting with they call it a broomstick or it's just a longer shaft that they're holding with their and these are right-handed golfers so they're holding it with their their lead arm which is their left and it can't be touching their body it just gives them a sense of swinging almost any more like a true pendulum as opposed to the shorter putter This is brought to you by Doherty Business Solutions. Beyond the fairways, the PGA's tour makes a stop at the Harbor Town Golf Lakes in Hilton Head. We're going to talk about that picks of the week, our betting segment. And that's next on Beyond the Fairways. Where do we find the best golfers in the world this week? It's time for the picks segment on Beyond the Fairways. This is our betting segment, our picks of the week. We're brought to you by Darty Business Solutions. We do this every week. And uh, Jay Bird, if folks have been listening to either one of us, they've had some pretty good picks, maybe made some money. Yeah, you especially. You've been hotter than I have. I, I reach you, into a hat and I just grab a name. That's yeah, how it works. Yeah, I got to tell you, however you do it, if you've thrown a couple dollars on some of your picks, you've been right on. We had... Um, We've had some luck. We've had some. We've yep. had some good picks. We've we've knocked a couple off, and it's not easy to pick the winners of this thing. Have you played at this event, or at least on this course? A lot of times. Okay. A lot of times. It's a ball hitters course. It's very narrow, small greens. But what's interesting is the bombers still really do well here. So, my pick this week. I'm going with the defending champ, Jordan Spieth. He just came off a really hot round on Sunday at the Masters. He won this championship last year, and I like him. He's playing well. Scotty Scheffler, if he can putt, and he did not putt at the Masters. That shocked me because when I think of him winning, what separates him is that he is a great competitor, but yet when the game is on the line and you gotta you got to get a putt in, he gets a putt in. When the tournament's on the line, he's able to putt. So I'm going back to him. Maybe he made some corrections early in the week, and he'd be my guy. We both talked about this. His compete level is high. 
He doesn't give up. He's present for every shot, and and I love that about him. He's also great around the greens. Yep. Typically, he's got a really good good short game, powerful guy, and a really good man. Absolutely. I don't know if this is a dark horse, but I love the way that he played at the Masters. He did have a, a T10, so top 10 finish, and that's Morikawa. Yep. And I don't know if that's a dark horse, but I like the way that he's, he's playing. Yeah, he's one of the best ball hitters on tour, Danny, and this is a ball hitters course. I love more. I First of all, I just love watching the kid play. I will say this about Morikawa. Probably the best iron player to come out on the PGA Tour since Tiger. And that's why I love him at this place. Yeah, absolutely, and and because you've got to surgically move your yourself around there, and and uh, I, I I like him too. My dark horse is going to be JT Poston. This is a kid who, if you look back, he's got a fabulous story. He went back on the Corn Ferry Tour and hold a shot after a rain delay to get his cart. I mean, it's a Love remarkably it. clutch guy, and he's a fun guy to follow on social media. And I, I don't know, I just I've always been a fan of his, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw. JT JT Poston in the mix. I love this story from you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sidetrack here and we'll wrap up uh, our podcast. But you were telling me you had to qualify to get your card at one point. Now, you played in over 700 PGA events. And all of a sudden, no, you got to get your card. And I think you told me you had a four or a five footer and you knew this would get you your card on the PGA Tour. And you said your knees were shaking like you couldn't feel your body. Yeah, Danny, I, w- I had Corey Pavin caddying for me, who was terrible. Pretty good caddy. Pretty good caddy. Pretty good player. Or bad player, caddy. Bad caddy. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He couldn't read the greens. Anyway, and and I we were going to the last hole. Wait a minute. Five. He couldn't read the greens? So I could tell. So listen to this story. So we're on the 16th green, and I know I'm, you know, you're, you're feeling where you are. We didn't have scoreboards and stuff out there. But you had an idea. But we had an idea. We, we had a damn good idea and and it never hurts to get a couple more anyway in case you're wrong and i hit a really good shot into this par four of the 16th hole and i look at i said Corey, come typically i i I really wouldn't have my caddies ever read a putt but i got a u.s open champ and a 15-time pga tour winner on the bag and he said i think it's just about a ball outside the edge and i hit this putt about six inches outside the edge and it snaps across the edge and just lifts out on the low side and he says and it was faster than hell. And he said, "Did that break more than a than a cup? And I mean, than a ball?" I said, "You sucked at reading that one." He goes, "Yeah, because I didn't read that one very well." But so we go to eighteen. It's a par five. I hit a good drive. Go for the green and two, and just hit it to the right of the green. Hit a nice little pitch up, and I've got about a ten or twelve footer that I really wanted to make. But I mean, it was fast. I hit it a little too hard. It missed it on the high side and went about five feet past. Mm. And now I'm thinking. And mm. he looked at me, and I said. Get away from me. Because so, I knew what I had to do. I knew that it wasn't a hard putt. It was just an uphiller with a little left to right. I'm just going through my thing and went through it, and, and, I, and I knocked it in, and I was like – Oh man! Yes, it, it was just—it was just a great feeling. Knees shaking. Oh, everything was shaking. Palms sweaty, hands just clammy, heart pounding. You know, and 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 it got in there somehow. This is great. Always fun to do this. Curtis Strange was awesome. We invite everybody. Please download our podcast Beyond the Fairways with an S. Really fun to visit with these guests. I know we got a bunch of of great guests coming up, but man, not a bad list when you get Tom Watson, Lee Trevino, Curtis Strange. David Faraday, not bad at all. This is off to a good start. We got some guys that have knocked off some some championships and are, are characters, too, and yes. that's some fun part. Jaybird, always fun to do it. Love it, Danny. Thanks for being with me. This is Beyond the Fairways. Make sure you uh, download us wherever you get your podcasts. And Beyond the Fairways is brought to you by Darty Business Solutions. Mm-hmm.